Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals, the podcast that allows every therapist, nail tech and stylist to level up, build their career and reach for their dreams. Each episode we'll be looking at a different area of the industry and along the way I'll be chatting with salon owners, industry leaders and experts who'll be sharing their stories on how they achieved their goals, made their successes, all to inspire you in your business and career. I'm Sue Davies, your host, award-winning salon owner and industry professional. Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals. Hello there and welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals. Um, today I'm talking to the lovely Cole Hinder, who is salon coach and is a published author, app creator. He's done loads in this industry. And, um, and today we're going to be talking about pricing and why pricing correctly for your business is so important. So I will hand over now and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to Carl Hinder of Salon Help. And um, Carl's joining us today to talk through lots of things around pricing, retail, and give us a little bit of his backstory because he's got a very interesting backstory. He's also a published author and a recent award winner with the Small Medium Enterprise Awards. And um, so I'm sure Carl's going to be telling us all about that too. So firstly, Carl, if you just want to give us a little bit of your backstory and about how you um, came into the industry, because I know you've got a bit of a, a, a different way of approaching your journey into the industry than a lot. Of us. Hi Sue, thanks for inviting me on. Okay. Yes, look, um, my background is a kind of a real mix of salon, salon ownership. I spent some time with um, the Edison Federation as president in Wales, but even going further back than that, I spent kind of a, around 20 years in the retail sector. So I've been like a store manager for companies like B&Q and I've worked with Asda's and Sainsbury's. And lots and lots of big kind of um, big corporations. And I think it's that combination of salon ownership and uh, commercial business that kind of makes me who I am, which is probably why I'm, I'm fairly, not kind of strict, but highly, highly kind of driven. And yeah. when, I, when I got my salons, I was still in, in the retail sector. I didn't actually finish and then go, um, let's now go and open salons. There was a kind of a, a big blend if you like um for many many years and all i did was when i got the salons and i had a business partner who understand uh, understood the the hairdressing and beauty side very very strongly is i kind of brought all this commercial stuff in you know all the systems and procedures that i'm spend my whole life talking about i kind of merge them together and this is really kind of unusual, but yeah, yeah re but I'm very, very grateful to the retail inside for giving me my management training because yeah. that is the bit that's missing. It is, and, and that's missing throughout industry. And I know, you know, I mean, I've, I've done a few interviews today and that's come up several times is that that lack of understanding that as therapists or technicians or stylists or whatever area of the industry that you're in, you're going to have to excuse the dogs because they're now rolling around the floor. Um, yeah, but but though that level of education that we miss out on in college is just huge and and is so so important. And like and that whole you know systemizing a salon so that you've got all of your procedures and protocols in place so that if you need to walk away for any reason, um, everything operates smoothly without you. Well, not not just walk away. You know, one of the things I think about when I'm working with a business is how do I enable you to walk away? Yeah. I, I, look, I know the therapists, technicians and hairdressers don't always want to walk away. 
But sometimes they don't want to walk away now, but in five or 10 or 15 or 20 years or when they start a family or when they want to have more freedom, they've got to walk away and they can't walk away um, if they are real firefighting type people. Yeah. So, yeah, it it is missing from the industry. It's, you know, we could look at maybe the college um, structures. I don't think they're equipped enough to go to the next level when it comes to that sort of stuff. And but there is it's kind of good for salon owners now. If you're a salon owner, whether you've been a year or 20 years, you don't have an excuse anymore to not have management uh, training. You know, there's there's coaches and good coaches available throughout our industry that can get you trained on the management part of your business. So it's not good enough any longer to say, oh, I never grew up with that. We never used to do it like that. And I never had any training. Um, it's like, and I, and I say to people, well, you couldn't drive a car, could you, when you was 10 years old, No. but, but you went on to learn it. So yeah, like the management part. And I, I do. And I think, I mean, I worked before I was in, um, the industry, I worked in, um, the health service for a long time and in insurance and, and I was very admin PA based and office manager, all that kind of stuff for a long, long time. So I understood, and I, and also my husband had had his own business. So I'd run his accounts and done all his VAT and, and so I had a massive understanding of ha- a how to run a business and b how to run an, uh, like a, an office function because you know a lot of what we do in salon is office function you know and you yep. are you're making appointments and you know scheduling meetings and doing all that kind of stuff and and under- needing to understand how to do basic accounting procedures and banking and there's just yeah. so much to it isn't there yeah. that that we don't cover and that you learn on the job yeah and I think that's what's letting the industry down because you know I was the other day I was thinking I'm gonna put a post up but I didn't I didn't want to be too kind of crass I just wanted to put this post up I will put it up but I just want to thank um, therapists and hairdressers you know just thank you for being you and thank you for all the great things you do first and thank you for driving our industry you're on an hour by hour day by day basis I mean what they do is phenomenal Mm. the amount of physical work energy emotion yeah. Is unparalleled. There's there's not an industry that I can think of that's like it. No. And to that extent, we should be absolutely grateful for the people we have. But when we fall over, not, I don't mean fall over and fail. I mean when we when we flip over into the the management side, into the salon ownership side, that that's the chasm. That's the that's the bit we've got to we've got to bridge. You know, we've yeah. got to do something. And I can do it, but I can't do it for the whole industry. And there's other coaches that can do it for their clients. Yeah. Uh, the main person that has to do it is that person who one day is a therapist and the next day is is a is a what I call them is a therapist with a bunch of keys or a hairdresser with a bunch of keys. Because today, you know, it's <laughs> not fair. A, that's such a good analogy because that that is it, isn't it? It's not fair on them. I've is got it? keys. I've got a salon. Yeah. But yeah. yesterday I was working for Mrs. Jones and I've been working for her for five years yeah. and I was a therapist and I've turned up today and my whole responsibility is totally different. Yeah. But because we have to go back to what we're safe at, I keep reverting back to digging my way out of or growing my business by working even harder on services. So there's a, there's a lot to sort out. It has to come through, through um, structures within the industry ultimately. Yeah. But I think anyone you know watching this or listening to this now has to think I gotta meanwhile that's happening I'll take responsibility for myself it is and I th- and I think as well having coaches you know we we have an abundance of coaches and every coach offers something different a different personality a slightly different niche a different expertise and I think that there's, there's no reason not to and I think that you um 
all the coaches are able to facilitate a certain part of your journey in one way or another. And I think that accepting that into your business is a, is a vital thing because without it, you will literally just get stuck in the mud and you won't move forward because you will be in the treatment room, working in the dark. Working in the cupboard. Working in the yeah, cupboard. Working in the cupboard. You will be because there's no other way out of it. And you and literally you're working to have a job and that's what you're doing. You're not working to build a business when you're doing that. Do you know what? Though? It's I'm not proud of myself for this because I try to distance myself from the emotions of things. But I do kind of get frustrated or upset on their behalf. You know what I mean? I, I kind of look at them and think, you shouldn't have to live like that. You shouldn't have to be worried about your sales. You shouldn't have to be worried about whether you're going to go on holiday or whether you can afford a day off. Um, it's frustrating because in majority of cases, they don't need to continue that 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 negative emotion. They they can yeah. change it. They absolutely can change it. Indeed. So how can, how can we help them do that, Carl? Um, I know you've just won a massive award. Um, so would you like to tell us about the award you just won? Because I think that probably kind of leads us into um, how you can help people. Well, do you know, the reason that this particular award is, is important is because it identifies innovation um, in a coaching organization. And that's the kind of thing that I do. Anyone who's worked with me will know that I never take no for an answer. Yeah. I don't I don't care what problems you've got. My attitude is, ah, we can overcome that. And I know that frustrates them sometimes because they try for many, many years with different systems and they kind of listen, oh, Carl, yeah, I've done all that before. What I learned, in fact, it was in the retail sector. And it was, um, I can remember even where I was when I learned this. I was working in Reading. And it was that you had to analyze and innovate. And that's what you have to do within a business. You have to analyze the problem and you innovate the answer. Because yeah. maybe this sounds like a criticism of the industry, but maybe it's just human nature. We're all looking for the shortest, easy fix. Yeah. And I see posts all the time. In fact, someone on my group today said, how do I build my clientele? And I think they just wanted the answer of, well, put this post up and everything will be yeah. okay. And life just isn't like that. So this particular award really kind of identified that we use lots and lots of in innovation. So I'm proud of my one-to-one -one coaching and it's probably the thing I enjoy most. I'm super, super proud of my membership group behind me, Massive Not Passive, because it's about an attitude. It's about massive attitude, yeah. um, not for the faint-hearted, okay? But the other innovations, my pricing app, you know, the pricing app has actually been in existence for, I think, about four years now. Yeah. And it's only kind of, got a lot of momentum in the last two and you can see the change of culture and the change of attitude within the industry but innovations coming from everywhere so you know whether it's my my book that i wrote because i really wanted to put a stake in the ground on retailing yeah um, and i did it in audio in my welsh voice as well like for those that like a welsh voice or whether it's a, a retail training course it's about having lots of tools to be able to satisfy satisfy a wider audience as possible, as long as the audience is kind of within my remit, which really is about sales growth. I, I think I answered you in the end then. Yeah. <laughs> I know. This is, we could be here for a long time, Carl. We, it's okay. Look, you can, you, 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 be... you can edit me out or we can have this as the, yeah. uh, as the matinee the, version. The long version or the short <laughs> version. But, well, no, but, it, but it's, a, it's a really... Um, interesting answer and it and and it is there's so many different things that you do 
and when we was when we were sort of messaging about what we were going to talk about and it's like because there's so because i know you for the pricing app and i know you the, with the retail with the um i can't have the book that said look now that my neck my brain's gone dead what's your book called tell me <laughs> uh, salon pricing sell uh you got me out you know yeah i know um, see, sell or die not trying that's okay? it so it's all about really that retailing could save your business and you should be trying your hardest or you going or you should die trying to do it yeah and actually i dedicated it in there not to my my wife and my family for supporting me and yeah. all that i dedicated it to salons who had already gone and closed because yeah. i believe that most of them didn't have to if they had mastered retailing yeah and so, it is, and it's a massive gap in the industry, isn't it? Because, you know, I know when I was at college, my my main college experience that I had was doing my level three holistic therapist. There wasn't really a lot of retail they could teach us. But I know from going in and being a model for the beauty girls, you know, they had all their Dermalogica there and they were instructed on ways to recommend and how to, like, you know, how to retail it and stuff. But um, you still see these girls coming out of college then just going, yeah, well, I don't really want to say anything because the client might not want to buy it and and all of that, you know, and it is. And I think that that's, that problem is that you feel like you're going to make your client obliged to buy something. I feel like they have to buy it. And um, and what we have to remember is that retail, I mean, I'm, I am one of the world's worst retailers. I, I, I could sell when I needed to. But I'm not I'm not good at it. And I and I it's not my prowess. I have many other skills that I'm far better at. Do you know what? I've, I've had a really weird approach to the industry in the last, uh, whatever, five, eight years um, in terms of these things, because I've chosen things that are not of interest to people. Mm. You know, really, and nobody really wants to talk about pricing. Nobody wants to put them up because we're in a price sensitive industry. Mm. Nobody ever wants to talk about retailing because it's I don't want to be pushy. And it, uh, the client hasn't got enough money and the product's too expensive and I've never been trained to do it and it's something for someone else to do. So they, you know, I'd much rather get excited about, um, you know, I'm super passionate. I'm not going to take it down this, this route, I promise. You know, super passionate about things like front of house. I yeah, am, I, love, yeah. I run front of house sessions with lots and lots of people because it's key to their, in, a key to their business. But when we go back to things like the retailing, what we have to do is we have to kind of start thinking that retailing and services are not two things. It's just one thing that we shouldn't, because, you know, when we go in through a service, whether it's a skin treatment or whether it's a, a hair process, we are using the products during the service. I don't know what, when we separated them. I don't know what bit of our brain eventually said, you know, in, and in what year, well, actually that's all one thing. Now let's, let's now separate them and make yeah. them two different I've never even thought of that before but it's true yeah so retailing is phenomenal because it's going to give you you know all the things it's going to give you sorry i know i, I spoke over myself then it's going to give you all the things that you are talking about right now i'm, I'm and i say you i'm talking about the mm -hmm. salon owner who's worried if you're worried about profitability well there's your retail you want to increase your sales quite easily it's retail you want to improve your customer service well it's retail you want to challenge your vat well it's retail mm. you know i want to grow quick without staffing well it's retail yeah so it's the nearest you're going to get to a magic wand you know isn't i know um 
my business, we, I, I was a very small son. We only had two treatment rooms and a couple of now desks. So we were always below the VAT threshold. Um, but there was a point when I was going to jump and I was going to leap into a four, four treatment room and four now desk salon that was double, I would just about double and a half the square footage of my salon that I had. And it was, and that, and the, the only way I was going to be able to do it was through retail. Yeah. And, um, and I had, um, so I had a coach booked, it was before I knew you can't, um, <laughs> but I had a coach, I had a coach booked ready to go um and do it's funny actually and I was just thinking about well I was talking about a situation earlier and I couldn't remember what the training was that this person was booked for but that's what it was um and it was really really you know such a vital part of my um growth plan was mm. because there was no way I was going to be able to it was like a 30,000 pound a year rent it was it was massive in comparison to what I was paying and and to be able to fund all of that it was going to have to come from somewhere yeah and the only place, you know, obviously we were going to have more service space available. So you're going to get that, but then you've got to have the wages to pay the staff. And, you know, and we all, we all know that that cycle that you have to have to have more, another treatment room, another member of staff, maybe even two members of staff, and then all of the on costs that go with that. And it's got to, the money's got to come from somewhere. And, um, and if they're having a quiet day, the money's still got to have come from somewhere and retails where that comes in, isn't it really? Well, it's a phenomenal part of, of your, or potentially, for more, for more sounds, it's potentially a phenomenal yeah. part of your business. And no other industry would do what we do. So if you look at, say, the restaurant industry, you, would, you wouldn't get away with going in and sell just have my main course without I'm asking you about dessert and asking you about the uh, starters or asking you about the wine or asking you, do you yeah. want extra garlic bread or they, they just wouldn't, they wouldn't survive. And <laughs> You know, the, the owner or the maitre d' or whatever would not allow the waiters to behave in that way. So we've just got to get our minds that, in our minds, that retail, like pricing, is a big part of the solution. Mm. It's not, it's, it's, there's not one thing that I coach or not one thing within business, which is the solution. You know, we talk a, a lot about marketing in the industry. And in fact, the two things I get asked almost every day in my life is, Carl, I want more staff and I want more clients. And they think the answer to that is the advert. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry. We won't, we won't go off onto that as well. But the, the point is, we've got to kind of realize that we have to fix these things. And retail pricing are just two of the things we've got to fix. Yeah. And unfortunately for me, I decided to go down the hard route and drive the pricing and drive the retail. Because without them, you're, you're just not going to get to where you deserve. No, no, absolutely. And I think it, it, it is, it's a hard thing, isn't it? And I think if you look at how, like McDonald's, you know, they, they're a prime example. You walk in and you say, oh, can I have a, like, for I want a better, better opportunity, a Big Mac and a Big Mac meal. And their first response is, would you like that large? Yep. Every time. Do you know what? And immediate. My, I talk about McDonald's so much. Okay. Um, you might not believe it, but I don't go there very often, right? <laughs> but I talk about McDonald's so much because they are so great at systems. Yeah. doesn't matter whether you like the food or not. But you know that, that question, when you go in and you ask for a burger and they say, would you like fries with that? Yeah. It's estimated that that question is worth $10 million a day. Yeah. It, worldwide. Yeah. Just at, would you like fries? And then obviously when you say, yes, I love fries, they go, is that regular or large or, or yeah. regular or something like that? So, it is, it's just mad, isn't it? And, and as and as um, salon professionals, we miss those opportunities, don't we? All the time, you know. Even you know, if you're someone books a gel polish, 
you know, why don't why don't we say, would you like a manicure with that? Why don't we do that? And um, because then you've got notions and potions and scrubs and and the opportunity, because if someone's coming in having a gel polish, you can't retail a gel polish to them. Um, But if once you start getting into manicure products, the opportunity of retail suddenly opens because you've got the scrub that you've used you've got the cuticle oil you've got the manicure like the the hand lotion that you've used yeah oh you've got three you've got immediately three items you can sell them well do you know when we get really good at looking after customers when we get really good at looking after customers we got to do those things that you said okay that's going to be your your basics your foundation that's going to be your taken for granted why do we do things like how why do we narrow ourselves in retail to those items so what we have to think about when we get good at customer service is my job is to give you, make your life as easy as possible, all right? So if you're there, sat there in a, in a beauty salon, a non-hair salon, say, and you say to me, or I said, why are you having your nails? And you say, I'm going on holiday. So where are you going? I'm off to um, somewhere really hot and sunny. And we say, great. So there's, there's the cuticle oil and there's a file and there's this sort of stuff and there's a hand cream. And have you got a leave-in conditioner for your hair for the swimming pool? All right. Now, I ask people that all the time. They say, well, we don't do it. Well, your clients have hair. They have a problem. They need a solution. And either you, probably not the hairdressers, but the hairdressers should, or Boots, or just gonna say boots. <laughs> is going to solve the problem for yeah. them. And they are going to take that money, and they are going to, they're going to disperse that money. It's your money. We've got to find solutions and we mustn't be afraid to put them forward to the client yeah and and that's what i do i this is what i call so what you talked about to start off with i call narrow selling it's associated with the service yeah wide selling you would understand wide selling say come christmas time Mm. how many sets of ghds or other branded goods (laughs) that are that are available other ones are available uh, that um do we sell in a barber shop Mm. we should be selling dozens and dozens and dozens of electrical goods for women in barber shops yeah. because all of those men have got a woman in their life whether it is their wife or it's their mother or their sister or their next door neighbor or something but why are we so focused on only that wax i've just used or only that shampoo mm. that i've just used we just got to get good at this because that client who goes out with a gift for their, for their partner or for their wife or whatever mm. it is, is not unhappy with you. They're really pleased with you. Yeah. Yeah, because you have just solved me a problem. Now, yeah. i got to... Like you can stop them having to go on a special shopping trip, especially well, if you're in a barber's. This is a true, true story of one of my members. We did this. She has a barber shop. It's not a high price point barber shop either. We did some training. She said, no chance, Carl, can't do it. Uh, a couple of weeks later, she sent me a message. She said, Carl, never guess what? I've sold a GHD travel pack today, 379 quid, 375 pounds. Following day, Carl, I've sold another one, 375 pounds. Following day, I've sold a pair of straighteners. I can't remember what they were, 300 pounds or 200 pounds. And she said, the worst thing is I haven't got any. She said, that's all I did was sell, show them the picture and said, this is what I've got coming. And this is a barbershop. And they just said, I love it because it's, solves my life's problem <laughs> you know what I mean? so best part of a thousand quid in a standard barbershop if you like in terms of standard uh, uk pricing and all of that extra um cash flow and that extra profitability yeah. 
And it's there for every one of us. Not necessarily that story, but yeah. retail profitability is there for every single one of us. It is. I, th I think, and especially, I mean, like, you know, and we'll get this out in the next couple of weeks anyway, but, you know, le leading up to Christmas, as people are starting to bring in their Christmas stock, um, you know, maybe think about the different things that you can bring in. When I know one of the things that we sold loads of um, in my salon, especially post um, post lockdown, my daughter set up a candle business in lockdown. Um, she was very bored. She was furloughed from her job and she liked making candles. So she looked into it. She decided to set up her own proper candle making business, all fully labeled and done correctly. Um, and so I just, I sold so many candles. Yeah. But but it's nice because, it, you know, although it isn't and it's nothing to do with my services at all, it was completely separate to it. Yeah. But they were like easy stocking filler thing. You know, I mean, I think we were charging six pound or whatever for them. But it's easy, you know, and we were doing the collections of three and whatever. So people would be paying like, you know, £16 out for three candles and getting a couple of pound off. We I sold so many because it's there, it's on offer, and you're you and it is that solving a problem for someone. I need a tree present, I need a Christmas, I need a present for the teacher, I need whatever it is. And you've got to think away from the services that you offer. And you know, like I know there's um, like space masks, people would sell, I know girls that sell hundreds of space masks at Christmas. And it is, you just got to kind of think a little bit outside of the box of what you normally have on your shelf. And it's unlimited. The options are unlimited, whether you've got candles or or, or bath bombs or lips, yeah. lip lip balms or, you know, what if it is, it's unlimited. So you've got the, the narrow selling, then we've got the white selling. Then when we talk, talk about lip balms, we've got impulse selling. And yeah. that's, you know, we've got to take a, um, a, a leap out of all of these retailers. You know, we've got to look at, you know, supermarkets and, why do they put things near the, 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 the checkouts yeah. and how much that generates in terms of uh, up in their average basket? Yeah. So it wouldn't hurt us around most of our, our spas and, and beauty salons to have a couple of baskets of eyeliners for the night yeah. to go out or, or lip balms at three or four yeah. quid each or it, you know, but we've got to kind of say that's our business. It's not, it's not a separate business. It's just yeah. business. Yeah, it is. And it's just, and the thing is, what you've got to keep thinking of is those pound signs in your eyes. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know, it's the opposite of us all being down and trodden by how we see the economy and how things are not going well locally for us. And it's the opposite is we've got opportunity. And that's what the book is, is about. It's not really about how it doesn't give you loads of instructions about say this to the client. And I want to keep drilling that thing in about because I deserve it. Yeah. And I think as well, isn't it? It's just, you know, you've got to take that first step. If you don't take the first step, then, you know, when we were talking about procrastination earlier yeah. and, um, and it is, you know, we all, we all sit back and just kind of wait for something to happen. And unless you make that, um, that, that first step, I've just, I've just put a, um, like a thing up on one of my notice boards in my kitchen, which is if you, if you want tomorrow to change, you have to, if you want, if you want a different tomorrow, you have to make changes today. And um, and if we don't make those changes to shift our mindset and to shift our team's mindsets, um, then you're going to have a hard job. And we need to get every bit of revenue into our businesses um, with the difficult months we're going to have ahead of us, because it's you know, we have got recession imminent or happening already, probably. Um, and, you know, and we have got a cost of, you know, I mean, everyone keeps talking about the cost of living crisis, but for us, it's a cost of business crisis and yeah. it is going to be it's going to be difficult. But do you know what? I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of gone past it. And I, when I say that, I was thinking the other day about 
2008, um, mm. my, my business, or 2007 for sure, 2007, I was really a ladies style business. It's in the salon business now. Yeah. And 2007, 8, 9, it all went a bit wrong, didn't it? It did just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So my pivot was the realisation that the men's industry, the men's business, the male grooming was much more consistent, was much stronger. Mm. So we pivoted into that and the men were much more reliable in terms of how often they visited. And they um, they were kind of, I don't like the word loyal, but they were kind of, you could rely upon them if you like during this yeah. period. But that got me thinking. So we had that, like 2789, something like that. And then we had about five years of austerity measures, you know, where they were closing libraries and schools mm -hmm. and God knows what. Then we kind of had the, 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 the Brexit kind of um, fiasco. Then we had um, loads and loads of government, um, what do you call them, elections. Yeah. Then we had COVID and pandemic. Then Now we've got life, uh, the... Um, the, the fuel crisis, and um, now we're going into recession. Look, that is actually, how old is that? That's four, is that what's that? 12 years? About 14, 15 years. Four, look, I think the way we should look at this, that is never going to go away. No, right? there's so always going to be a challenge, always going to yeah. be a challenge. And I, do you know what? And I don't think that salon owners are going to know when they're in the good times. Yeah. I think I think we're going to keep battling and battling and battling, and we, and we won't know that it was a good time until we said, oh, it's been okay the last two years. Yeah. So I um I think we should understand that there is going to be a recession, and we have to understand how inflation is is impacting us, and we have to understand how individual bills like fuel can change your business. I'm not I'm not uh, saying that they're not real and that we shouldn't be good business people, but the reality is we can't do something now just to affect that problem. We've got no. to set our businesses. And we don't up know there. how long it's going to last for and no. what the impact is going to be. We've got to go through this and through the next thing and through the next thing, because yeah. what we have to realize, the people who are, who are um, listening to this and thinking, well, that's me, there's going to be someone else listening and thinking I'm making a ton of money. Yeah, because uh, as well, what you were saying earlier about there was a, 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 a I can't speak now, lost the power of speech, um, but what you were saying earlier about the choosing, you know, deciding whether or not your client can afford something deciding whether or not that's too expensive and I think there's so many people in this industry especially you know we're not the most highly paid industry for employees and I think most of our, for our employees they sit thinking I don't have enough money how come how if I can't afford that therefore client ABC they also can't afford it but what they don't realize is that client ABC are on a final salary pension with a husband still working and no mortgage and they go on holiday four times a year and you know and you you can't you cannot make assumptions about well that's what that's what i generally and i think it's the 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 word is projecting we mm. project onto our clients and that in, in that, that's unprofessional if nothing else mm. and and you can't blame people because it's human you can't expect some 16 18 19 year old to be able to project the professionalism of someone much older with different values in their life or someone with a mortgage and without a mortgage and all that sort of stuff. I, I understand that it's normal and natural, but if you're going to consider yourself and your business as professional, it's not professional to project your negative emotions on the client. Yeah. And, and if, and it does nothing for your business, it lowers your sales. Um, mm. And, and maybe we need to go the other way and assume positively that all of our clients can afford 
to purchase because if they couldn't afford our services, they wouldn't be there. And if you can, and if you can afford to have something that once, you know, 20, 30 years ago, most of what we provide would have been considered a luxury. And now it's an entitlement and an expectation that we can go and get our nails done, go and get our hair done every six weeks or whatever. Everyone just expects to be able to go and have their balayage done and it costs 120 quid and they can just pay it. And if you're and if you're able to do that, then why aren't you able to go? Oh, actually, I'll have that, you know, that set of GHDs. Yeah, because when clients come into your, your business, they didn't they're not coming there because they're short of money. If they're short of money, they're spending it on food. Yeah. That's what that's what people who are short of money are doing. They are literally never ever come into your salon. They come yeah. in there once every two years to cut their hair that's been in a ponytail. That's yeah. that's what people with no money are doing. Uh, because they have to spend that money on life. Yeah. And um, I got full respect for those people and I'd rather they Hopefully. weren't in that position. I've been there, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather they, they weren't. But from the majority of salon owners, if you've got those people, well, they're going to end up leaving you and you have to find a different type of client or you have to pivot your business so you attract a different type of client. What we yeah. can't do is try and make money if there is no money. Yeah. I don't believe that that is the case generally, though. I generally believe that everything you just said about they are not prepared to spend it with you because you haven't given them good enough reason because mm. they still got the flash cars, they still got the holidays, they're still mm. smoking, they're still drinking, they're still doing the things that they see as a priority. Yeah, and you just need to encourage them to empty their pockets more into your into your till. Really. And you know, and you made that good point about oh, we're not a very uh, well-paid industry, and we aren't. Yeah. And I'm in I'm in a discussion with a client right this minute, and they won't know who I am because it's not going to be today when this goes out. No. Um, about she can't afford to pay her staff, but she won't do any retailing. But also, and, and, that leads well, us nicely onto pricing, doesn't it? Because really, when I've been, I was recording a solo episode about this this morning, and just saying, you know, we have to change how we pay our staff because if we want our clients to believe we value our teams and we value our businesses, we've got to get our pricing right, and and it's it's an, it's, it's an essential. You've got you've got to add up. It costs X amount an hour, X amount on cost, X amount of holiday pay, X amount of maternity pay, whatever it may be. You've got to allow for that in your pricing. Well, look, totally. The thing is with pricing, that same lady, by the way, just by coincidence, probably not coincidence that she doesn't retail and her prices are wrong, right? So uh, prices are, and I could, I can tell when someone's prices are wrong without even knowing about their business. Because mm. if you just go onto their website and they're charging eight to 10 pounds for, say, a child's cut or something. That means they're doing £20 an hour. A member of staff who's on £10 an hour is actually getting paid £20 an hour because of holiday and, and training mm. and pensions and sickness. That means that you're open for no reason. You're at break even. And yeah. then that's no coincidence that around 70% of salons in the UK are at break even or at loss. So if we haven't got the pricing right, and it, when I do my foundation coaching, it's the first thing I ever do pricing because there's no point me doing marketing with you and say, yeah, yeah, I'll get you a hundred more people. And those hundred people come in and we undercharge them all. So <laughs> we have to get pricing right. And we have to believe, well, yeah, we have to believe that what we're doing is, is the right value as well. But I don't know if, it, know if we have to do it emotionally. If you use like my pricing app, there's yeah. a number that's going to pop out the other end, right? Yeah. And it isn't going to know that you're an emotional person. <laughs> It's no. all it's, yeah, it isn't going to care uh, how you how you feel about your clients. What it's going to care about 
I don't know if it cares about anything, but what it's going to tell you, <laughs> uh, I, haven't, I haven't developed develop that app. I'll be next. Uh, that'll be my next, the, 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 first, pricing app. the, the first emotional pricing app. Um, <laughs> it's just a mathematical equation. So it comes out and it says, this service should be, I don't know, 65 pounds. And if you, deal, if you charge 65 pounds, you are going to make the profit. You're going to be able to pay yourself and the wages and the gas and the electric and everything is going to be fine. What it doesn't say is, your price is 65 pound and the emotional one is 40 and if you stay around 40 your life is going to be hard and it's going to be miserable and it's going to be difficult and what i hate i'm going to go for hate today what i hate about the way we allow clients to treat us is that they say to us i want to pay less because my myself and my family are more important than you and your family yeah and that's what it says to me. And I want, I want salon owners, they're always taking offense to me. I hope you take offense to that. And I yeah. hope you take offense to when the client says, can I have it a bit cheaper or that's too expensive? Or can I have, I don't know. If I bring my friend. <laughs> if I bring my friend. Yeah. Or can I just have a dry trim and skip the cut and blow dry and the wash and all that sort of stuff, yeah. right? So we've got to get, in, in the most professional way, we've got to get offended about the way we're being treated. And then we've got to react professionally, managerial, entrepreneurially, uh, professionally, and say, this is the price. And it's it's not, a and if it is a price that ultimately says you don't have a business, that yeah. is also okay, by the way. So, you know, if you have to go and pivot and bring in, I don't know, laser treatments instead of nails then please go and do that if you've got to do what i had to do and move from ladies to men's during a recession you have to do that yeah. but you can't smash your way through um financial difficulty by being bloody minded no because and also we have to kind of remember is don't we that whenever we put our price list out there or we put our prices on our website it's not a classified ad it doesn't say that's 35 pound or nearest offer it doesn't say that <laughs> It says thirty-five pounds. Not but you know, I don't know about you, but um, you, you're probably going to say, "Oh no, that happens to me all the time." But when we had my salons, nobody ever, ever tried to negotiate with me. No, no I, I, I can't say I ever had anyone try to negotiate with me. I, I did used to, if we we always used to do like we had um, a treatment of the month that was always something that was a little bit different, slightly off um, off paste from the normal menu. And um, we'd like put a couple of things together or whatever. And I think the only time I ever got that people tried to negotiate with me was that, that they were away that the last weekend of it. And could they hang it over for a few days? Yeah. And, it, and, and I think probably that, and it was usually clients that we knew really, really well. And if they, if they were, I'd probably, I, then I would probably go, okay, do you know what, you know, as, as it's you, but, but if anyone ever tried to like, just try and take down my prices, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know why they never asked me. Maybe they were too scared of my answer. Probably, or, or, but you know, I, I think as well though is that maybe and maybe um, it comes down to the fact that you're quite a um, forthright man, and that maybe they see us um, lady salon owners as a bit more of a pushover. Ooh, that we will be. be more, that we may be more emotionally um, vulnerable to being having our buttons pressed. It could be, but I, I'm going to share something that the coaches are going to love. All the coaches yeah. and, and future coaches are going to love my next uh, comment because this happened to me over five years ago and I'm still crying about it now. Oh, all right. A client who I work with um, and we had good, good results. And uh, at, during this process, I said to them, can I ask you why you chose me? And um, 
he said, yeah, yeah, of course you can, Carl. He said, because when I was researching, he said, you were the cheapest. <gasps> All right. And I can tell you now that has stuck with me. I have never been more insulted. Yeah. In, my, in, my, in fact, that is the most insulting professional thing that's ever happened to me. There, there's yeah, something that's, for that's really some, something nice. something for your podcast there, Sue. Yeah. You know, the moment Carl was was insulted was when he said, "I choose you because you were the cheapest." Yeah. And I've 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 moved my business on so far, and that's always in my mind. I will never be the cheapest ever again. No, and it isn't. And I think, and I think as well, if you use that analogy as to um, your services in a salon. You don't want people coming to you because you're the cheapest. And, and that's why I shared it. You really it. don't. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I, I, I knew when I um, opened my salon back in 2011, I mean, I've been working, I had our home salon before that, but I took on my first premises in 2011. And, um, and I knew I already was above the cheapest because, of, because I was, I'd never, I'd never undervalued myself, let's put it that way. So I oh. knew, oh. Um, I knew that when I opened the salon, I was going to be at least in the middle of the road. And it wasn't. I, I, and I did that classic. I mean, like now I just look back and like, what was I doing? But yeah. I looked at every salon locally and I looked at everything they offered and how they portrayed themselves. And and I looked at their pricing and I had a, and I did do a proper spreadsheet of all their prices and all the things that and where I sat at that point. And I just worked out, well, I know roughly where they are and I know what the market rents are there, roughly. Um, obviously, I didn't know what they had going on in their lives because that's one of the problems of making those yeah. assumptions. Um, but I just decided I was going to put myself up there. <laughs> well, and, I I put my, and I put myself slightly less than the most expensive salons because I did not want to be a cheap salon and I didn't well, even want to be a middle of the road salon. <laughs> Well, once price becomes the reason to come to you, yeah, there's there's not much you can do with the client. No, you know, if 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 I come to you based on price, every time your price goes up, you're risking of losing them. You know, so you don't you don't want to be and you know, I, there's, there's words I see on people's social media and on their websites as well when they say things like "come to us because uh, we, you know we are affordable," and it it worries me that what you're saying to the client is. Come to me based on money. No, yeah. don't come to me because I'm award-winning or I'm amazing or I can get you the results or I can help you get the transformation you've never had yeah. before or I can give you the experience of relaxation or I can take the years off your off your face or I can give you confidence. We none of those things are well, they're all still important, but none of those things take priority if the thing you're driving is price. Yeah, you, you're going to lose. You're you're absolutely going to lose if if price is your driver so okay so if so words of advice so people are starting to look at their prices i think there's an awful lot of people looking at their pricing at the moment so for um say like a home salon because they, i mean that we now have an abundance of home salons from covid huge numbers of employees left our salons huge numbers of salon owners have left their businesses and gone home and so they're they're like a huge market currently so we are, we know that if you've got premises, you obviously have to have all your business premises cost, but that you need to add in. But for like someone that's like a solo trader, what kind of things should they be looking at to include in their pricing manual? Yeah, the, the app has got the science in it, as the award ah. tells you. But the the app has got the science in it for things we won't think about yeah. necessarily. We won't think about things like how much profit do we want after yeah. we've paid ourselves. 
how much money, uh, sorry, how much money are we going to make if our business is only 80% booked for the week? Yeah. How much money are we going to make? Oh, sorry, or what price are we going to set at? Being in mind that your staff are going to take off 28 days each where yeah. you're not going to generate a sale. So it's very difficult on paper to yeah. work all these things out accurately. Now, if you're on your own and you're the only person, this the simple equation is that you've got to add everything in. It doesn't matter whether it's your tea bags. It doesn't matter if it's your, your um, facial products. It doesn't matter if it's the hair color. It doesn't matter if it's the foil, the, 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 milk, the milk that you bring in every morning, your own personal wage. So yeah. it's basically every single overhead you can think of. It has to go into the, the calculation. And, and even as a, someone on their own, you still need to work out that you want to take holiday, especially if you've got kids, you know, you might want to take out all of the school holidays yeah. or half of the school holidays or whatever. And you've got to put those um, out times into your figures because yeah. otherwise you won't be able to afford to take the time out during the summer. And that's the interesting point because the other thing with um, using the app or if you can do it manually, good luck. Uh, is you have to think about what I call future-proofing. You see, mm. if you and I sat down today with your business and you say, and I say, grab your accounts. First of all, don't grab your accounts, guys, because they're already maybe as much as 18 months out of date. Mm. All right, so if you've got last year's accounts, they're at least six months, maybe longer out of date. So at the very best, you grab, say, last week's statements from your bank, and we put all this information in. However, by the time we've worked them out and we have got them to market and then electric goes up or stock, I've just heard the stock on average in the UK is going up or gone up by 15%. So this is, this is color house kind of stock. Mm. You're already 15% out <laughs> yeah. the day we start. So if you use a good mathematical system, what you need to do is say, these are my current costs. What do I expect to spend in the next six months or the next 12 months. And we can also do that then with salons that want to grow. You know, I was saying earlier, I'm a massive fan mm -hmm. of front of house. So if you've been coached by me, I'm going to try and convince you that you have a front of house. So you'll, I'll say to you, right, let's put that wage in for that front of house at a good hourly rate at 40 hours a week, because it's only the price that pays them. So you, we can't just sit down and say, right, the price is right today, because if we, put today's price in and then go till January. In fact, last night we did a, a coaching session with this lot behind me and I told them that January, the first price rise is a mythical. There's nothing, there's nothing right about January the first being the right time to put your prices up because today is the right time to put your price up. Because yeah. if you say I wait till January, let's say you do it on the 1st of January every year, then if your inflation goes up throughout the year, by the time you get to January, your prices have dropped by 13%. Yeah. That's for, on forecast inflation. You can't do that anymore. You might have been able to do that 10 years ago where we was only going by quarter, quarter of 1% yeah. when it, was, you know, it, was, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't too, too um, dangerous. But now you can be at 1% or 2 or 3 or 4% out. You could be 5 or 6% out within three months. So I'd say you've got to review your pricing every month or two you can't be afraid to put them up. There's right. nothing There's nothing mathematically right about waiting for January the 1st and the same with April the 1st. And I know strategically there is because psychologically we think different in January yeah. and New Year's and customers will accept it. The same with April or it's a tax increase. I understand psychologically and if you want to coincide, if you can, you know, please do that. But 
but don't wait. There's there's nothing right about waiting three months. You can't make three months loss. Yeah, because and that's what's going to happen, isn't it? Is that you're just going to keep losing money. And I think it's funny, actually, when I was um, chatting with someone earlier and we were talking about this um, fear of putting prices up. And and it, it and it's a really it's a massive thing and it is a, an emotional connection to the client that you're too frightened to say actually I'm worth that or my business needs that money to be able to maintain its um, its status as an open business, and and we really really need to kind of get away from you know because I know when I used to have my son on, you know I'd print my price list off and you get like a thousand price lists printed, um, and then you're stuck. Yeah. With a thousand yeah. price lists, and you don't want to put your prices up until you've used nearly all the price lists. And, uh, you, and you know, we have technology on our side now. Yeah. And I, I was saying earlier, I was, um, you know, I was ahead of the game, and I had a QR code and price lists that were online, and everything just went from the QR code. But I was doing that probably five years ago, and I think my clients who were in a slightly more mature demographic were just going like, "What the hell is this? I don't understand." And um, and so I think I was a little bit ahead of the game. And obviously now every phone just like does QR links and whatever, and it all works much more smoothly. But but having that QR code and an online price list only and having nothing printed gives you that freedom to just say, actually, it's going up a pound this month or it's going up 50p this month. And it is. Yeah. And, all, and the thing is, if you do it regularly, it's small amounts. Whereas if you do it every year or two years, then it's going to be a bigger amount that's more impacting to the clients. Well, the most important thing with pricing, before we talk about price increases, when I, when I do a, um, a webinar, I don't talk about price increases. I talk about correct pricing. Mm. So trouble is nobody, not nobody, very few people in, in context of the industry actually know if their prices are correct. Yeah. That's, that's your starting point. Whether you're going to get someone to help you mathematically whether you're going to use the pricing app, you've got to work out what is the correct, because then you can make a decision. I yeah. have got salons that are charging 20 or 30 or 40 pounds above their break-even point. They may not in the short term need to reduce their, uh, sorry, may not need to increase their prices. We're definitely not going to reduce them for sure. No. But we've got enough margin to um, keep the business healthy for a certain amount of time. But unless you know that, you can't make a business decision. The bit about as being emotionally connected to the client look it's it's, it's you, you can understand why in our industry so you know we are very close to people we under you know they tell us things about their lives but i think we've got to start looking at the people around us in our homes i think we've got to look at our wives and our husbands and our children and say am i really doing the best i could for you guys because every time i give mrs davis five pounds subsidy i'm you know when i subsidize her family i'm taking it from my family and that yeah. money might not be a now thing maybe like maybe you're, you you feel well relatively wealthy compared to your client but you don't know what you need in five years time or 10 years time right. you know you don't know what's around the corner in terms of of pandemics and recessions and that sort of stuff and you don't know what's around the corner with regards to your health you need to make sure that this business is generating the right level of income. So we can't keep subsidizing the client. That's what you're doing, by the way. If your prices are not correct, you're subsidizing yeah. the client. That's, that was never your job. No, and it is. And I think and we're, we're making um, a rod for our own backs massively. You know, I mean, I've had a couple of situations um, in the last whatever we're about last six years so something like that where I don't know probably a bit longer than about eight years where I've had um 
quite a, a horrible health problem, then had a car, got better from that, then had a car accident, then had, to, as a result of that, had to have two surgeries on my right hand. And the second surgery took me out of my business for 20 weeks. Yeah. And, um, and following the first surgery, it took me out for 10 weeks. I learned a lot about that <laughs> and a lot <laughs> about what I needed to do in preparation for the second, what I thought was going to be 10 weeks and turned into 20. And, and you, you do need to have a business that can float without you because, yep. and it wasn't as much as, I mean, I was still around and I was on the phone and I was popping in here and there, but I wasn't working and I wasn't in my treatment room. And I learned so much more from not being in my treatment room and, and about learning how to build a resilient business, because that's what it, that's what it is, isn't it? It's business resilience that we need to create. And we will only do that through getting our correct pricing and making sure that we are giving our clients the opportunity to spend as much money as possible with us. Well, look, as long as the client goes on with things they need. Yeah. There's no you know, ethical issue here. And it doesn't matter whether it's uh, you know, a, a shampoo or a, or a box of chocolates or an extra treatment, if they need it, you know, where where that's that's where I always draw the line. As long as someone needs that service or needs that product, then you're fully justified in making sure that they go home with it. And yeah, but we have to put ourselves first. It's I actually do this talk about be more selfish. Now it's it sounds wrong. It doesn't it doesn't sound like the, the thing we should be saying, but we don't look after ourselves. No, we have got to be more selfish. We have got to be first, and you have to be first in your salon as well. Because I see so many salon owners holding their business together. And I mean, literally, one month paying staff, the next month trying to pay a bill, the next month paying themselves. That isn't running a business. There's, there's no joy in no. that. We've got to put ourselves first. I see all the staff getting paid yeah. and the owners not getting paid or not getting paid very much. That, that's not the deal. You didn't sign up for that. No. Because, because if you just wanted to do lovely treatments, then please close and go and work for someone and have a lovely nine to five life, take it easy, probably get paid more and you can yeah. use their stock. You know, yes. Absolutely. And I, th I think one of the things I can remember like before I closed my salon, well, I sold my salon in the end, but um, didn't close it. But one of the things that I, I'd reached a, a place of was that if, if I was employed, I would have handed my notice in. I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying it. I'd, you know, I felt that I'd, I'd reached where I wanted to go with it yeah. and I and I wasn't and I wasn't enjoying being there anymore and I think that unless it gives you I mean I was very lucky and it gave me a very much improved lifestyle on what I used to have and I earned money out of it and everything was fine but I, I had reached a place and I think sometimes you just have to recognize that when you're in those situations where you aren't paying yourself and you're paying your staff before you pay you and feed your children or feed or you know do whatever for you and your family that you wouldn't tolerate that if you were employed. You would not tolerate it. You wouldn't, would you? Imagine, imagine saying your boss saying, "Now nah, we haven't got enough money for you this week, but you've done a good job. Well, carry on then. You yeah, just wouldn't. <laughs> you just wouldn't, would you? And I think, you know, we have to recognise that there comes a point when you're not running a business. You're just, I don't, I don't even know what it is because you haven't even got a job because you're not even being paid for it. And well, I mean, when you're getting paid and you're doing the task, I call it a job without a boss. Yeah. Right. So I, I kind of get that, especially as as we spoke about earlier, you go through this, you know, you go through the the experience and uh, you get to that point you talked about where I can't really work for someone anymore. Then you end up with a bunch of keys and a salon. You're standing yeah. there one day going, crikey, what shall I do? 
I've got no management training. I haven't got no clue what I'm supposed to do about marketing or pricing. So what do I know best? I go back and I'll do what, I, what I'm good at, which is services. And then you start off and maybe that works out sometimes and you work harder and harder and harder, but it's, it's, it's got limitations. You can't work your socks, especially as when inflation is going against you, you can work full time every week, but the money coming in, in effect, gets less and less and less. Yeah. So you have to then work out how do I make sure this business is um, systemized, that it has procedures. Um, and so it, it, it operates in effect without me. So it operates like a business and, yeah. and, and, and not like a job. So spot yeah. on. Absolutely. And it is, and I, and it is, and I think really the the only way to do that is clearly to have your app, Carl. <laughs> I, I could, I couldn't. We can't, I couldn't we can't race more. it highly enough. <laughs> but honestly, right? Okay, there's no point you spending days with a piece of paper. Honestly, okay. and I know it's a sales thing, but it's there's no point you spending days with a piece of paper unless you're a mathematical genius. And if you're a mathematical genius, okay, you probably uh, have solved this problem already, right? So you just get the app, you put the information in the number pops out and then you've got to get your emotions to um, realize that this is a business mathematical number. It's not a discussion. You're going to have to pull your big girl pants up and you're going to have to send the email. Yeah. You've got to send the email and you've got to commit to it and you've got to project that everything is worth it. Yeah. You know, you've got to, the thing is, you know, we are, as, as an industry, most of us are so passionate about what we do. And most of us work to the industry standards and we go and above and beyond for our clients. And if our clients aren't willing to pay for that, then they shouldn't really be our clients. Is my, You know, they, they have to appreciate what we put into it. And I was always really fortunate that my clients really, really did appreciate what I put into it. And they would pay me what I was worth. And um and now I'm going to be starting again here. I so my dog's just like <laughs> trying to try trying to climb on me. But even like now, where I'm going to be sort of starting doing another little thing up here, where I'm where I've moved to, you know, I will still be charging what I'm worth yep. and what I believe my my treatments are worth. Well, you don't want anyone coming to you because you're the cheapest. I can promise you. No, definitely not. Right? Really That's, not. That's, that is the, you know that is that that is an awful insult to yeah. um to anyone. But we bring it upon ourselves. Because we um, become price conscious, not myself, but salon owners are price conscious for the wrong reasons. But they were brought up like that. They just came from a salon who were price conscious. That's why, in the majority of cases, staff are underpaid. Because we don't charge enough, therefore we can't pay them enough. They don't retail, so we can't pay them enough. And then we wonder why they leave and why they go and open their own businesses. Because... The main driver, apart from time freedom, is they don't get paid enough. Yeah. And we can't keep recruiting. Today, we're going to do recruiting today as well. But we can't keep recruiting yeah. and then mistreating people financially and then wondering where they've gone and then putting a message on, on social media saying, do you know what? There's no therapist in the UK anymore. Well, it's no. because there's no therapist in the UK that are prepared to put up with your conditions and your yeah. your, your yeah. and, that, that's and the your wages. Yeah. But many of you or many of people in this are in control of it. You could go and put your prices correct. You could go and look at the timings, the type of services. I see loads of services that shouldn't even be in, in beauty and hair salons these days. Um, I mean, on a salon by salon basis, I'm talking about not mm-hmm. as an industry. You know, you could be retailing. You could be getting your pricing right. You could be getting your timings right. I see people taking yeah. so long for so little money. 
Yeah. I see people not booking people in, saying to people, okay, give me a call. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't worry, give me, a, give me a shout when you've worked out, if you've got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Instead of, instead of, you're supposed to be back in four weeks, Sue. Okay, gotta yeah. keep you look. I gotta keep you looking beautiful. You say, yeah, yeah, carry on. This is it, isn't it? Right? No client ever escaped. We had them on re- like. I mean, in, most of our clients, whoever we could get, were on on recurring appointments. You book through for the year. We always used to book them. We'd book all their Christmas appointments in September and say, right, okay, should we book you through for the next year as well? Yeah. Well, do you know the lovely the lovely thing about those few things we just spoke about is that they are practically all free. Yeah. And unlike marketing, which takes a lot of strategy and planning and a lot of commitment, because there is no marketing you're going to do this week that's going to sort you out for the year. When we talk about pricing, okay, well, the app isn't free, but once you've done it, you mm-hmm. can continually use it, right? So it's, or if you want to use a bit of paper, it's free, but you work out your price and you get it right, it's free. Retailing is free because any products you buy, you're going to sell for more than mm. your, your purchase it's free rebooking correctly is free getting people to work at the right time lengths and so you make the right amount of money for, is free but it needs yeah. your application it needs you know something I, I i wrote down i made a few notes before we uh, met up today and the one thing that i wrote down that i wanted to make sure that we covered in at some stage but it doesn't matter where we drop it in is that we have to be committed to, to solving something when I mean committed, I mean like if if retail after today is your thing. If retail is, I've listened to Carl, I've listened to Sue, I'm inspired. I'm gonna. I don't say I'm gonna have a go. No, I'm gonna nail it. Yeah. I'm going to read the book. I'm gonna do the course. I'm gonna speak to my supplier. I'm gonna have a champion. I'm gonna change ranges. I'm gonna put retail prices up. Why don't we ever put retail prices up? Right? Why do we? <laughs> why do they have to stay as low as possible? But yeah. You, you keep buying them for more and you leave them at the same price unless 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 the RRP changes. We have got to get our minds into, I got a problem and I'm going to fix it. Yeah. We we don't do that. I got a problem, I'm going to have a go at it. And that's that's not the same. No. It's a bit like doing karate or something and say, I'm going to have a go at it. No, you stay there until you got your third done. Okay? Or your fifth done or whatever it yeah. is you, you want to achieve. We can't, you can't keep having a go because what happens is you have a go and results will kick back on you. So you lose faith, you lose energy, you lose enthusiasm because it's negative. And therefore, then you don't fix pricing or you don't fix retail or you don't yeah. fix. So that's the thing that I want salon owners to do is to find the problem and kill themselves fixing it. Yeah, <laughs> but it is that, isn't it? Because you've just got you've just got to find a way. You know, it's like, you know, if you just take rebook it because it doesn't cost your client anything to rebook with you and start you know if you start with that as like you know having that that question at the end of your service you know you've done your aftercare you've given them everything they need and then you say okay so when are you rebooking that's all you've got to say and the chances are they'll rebook even if like you know in another seven days they go actually you know that doesn't fit and I need to cancel but well when do I rebook you for that one then you know and you've just got to always be ready with that question haven't you and it's the same with with retail you know when you finish doing a facial it's like you know these are the products that we've used today so what would you like to buy and or maybe not maybe not quite like brutal but well, do you know what well, I'm more brutal than that because I never ask those two questions do you not no so on, on the it's rebooking like them and add it in for them no, no, no. Well, we do we do talk to the client, um, and it and again, this is business by business and um, spa by spa uh, basis. When we get to rebooking, because I believe that you are the professional, 
what's the point of asking them when they want to rebook? They don't know when they have to come back. So I think that if we do a service, especially if it's something, let's say, like, I don't know, acne treatment or a, a, a color on a, a you know, a, a red color, you know, something that you can kind of easily identify today. We need to say to the client, um, I always say to them at the desk, ask the client um, about the service. Did you enjoy that? Was it nice? Did you like it? What do you think of the new cat? Mm. Make sure that you get their positive engagement. And then you say to them, okay, I'm glad you love that. So I need to see you. I need to see you in four weeks time to keep you looking like that. Yeah. And the reason I go quite strong on it is because if you go to another professional, right, if you go to your accountant or you go to the doctors or somewhere like that, they don't say, do you fancy seeing me in three months time? I know your arm. <laughs> yeah. My accountant says, Carl, I need to see you again in four weeks time and you need to bring all that stuff. My doctor says to me, Carl, you've got a broken wrist. You need to take these tablets. You need to have this x-ray and you need to book in to see me in two weeks time. They don't say, well, you know, we'll do whatever you want. Yeah. So we got to get more into that mold. I need to see you. I'm the professional and I'm saying I need to see you to maintain that standard. And I always think about, I just never want to walk around, you know, a supermarket and bump into someone whose skin has got so much worse or, you know, or their hair color has faded out. And I charged them, you know, a hundred quid 10 days yeah. ago and I've got to go, you know, up a few different aisles to avoid them. You know, you want to be proud of the people you bump into, don't you? Yeah. Indeed. So I, so when I'm coaching, I always talk about a variation on I need. And on retail, I'm nearly with you. But when we get all the products to the desk and I say, you know, these are the products we'd recommend, I always ask them, which of these would you like? Yeah. yeah. Which ones? Because they need them. It's not what you know do you want one because if you ask someone do you want one usually they'll say no i'll leave it i got loads in the bathroom i'll have a think about it all that sort of stuff so if they need them you say which ones which ones do you which ones do you want i've recommended them there's 20 there yeah. <laughs> there's, there's 20, especially with some especially with some facials nowadays <laughs> yeah there's 20 products there on this facial you know but you know which ones would you like which would you like instead of do you want one no i'll leave it thanks so these are all the psychology, all the things I coach, all the things I train, stuff in my online courses, stuff in one-to-ones. I'm sure the other coaches are using similar um, strategies. If if they dare be as bold as me on some of these things, then <laughs> um, they will be saying their own version of something like that because yeah. we've got to project what's right for the client because we've got to convince the client that they've got to go home with the things that they need. Yeah. Is and I think when you put it like that, you know, I mean, hope I really hope that um, people listening today take away some of what you're saying and just it is, it's just it's small changes, isn't it? You know, it needs to be one question because they 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 need to take that away with them, and you just need to find the way of of encouraging that sale. Well, it's just a matter of, I mean, you use that word need in a, in a, quite a quite a lot there, isn't you know, yeah. in in, a, in one sentence. So all we got to do is with salon owners is to is to move their realization that this isn't a job, mm. right? That's the first thing. This isn't a job. You used to have a job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Even if you're working on now your you've own. Now you've got the keys. Now you've got the keys. Now you've got the responsibility. Now you've got all the pressure on you and you've got legal obligations, you know, to, for taxes and, and the local government and local councils. And so you've got legal obligations that you never used to have as well. But you also have obligations and I, this, I'm not judging people on this part, but to your family. And 
you shouldn't be putting um, your clients before your family. I don't think people will like what I'm saying there, but I think a lot of people will understand what I'm trying but that, to But that's probably because it's an uncomfortable feeling to sit with Carl. And I think that maybe people don't see it that way. They they feel that by putting their clients first, yes. they're being the best version of a salon owner they can be. And um, in actual fact, the reality of it is, is that they're not really... Um, they're not helping themselves, are they? They are, you know, it's always one thing, you know, we are there to help our clients to make them feel better and to do amazing things for them. But we aren't there for to allow our clients and facilitate our clients to take advantage of us. Yeah. And that can be, that could be how it would end up. You know, if there was something that I wish I had known. Mm. Which you know, was going to be my next question, actually. Oh, look at this! <laughs> if there was something <laughs> we, that I w- we should be, we should wrap this up because we could go all night. But <laughs> well, we'll cut this up into sections. But... Episode one to four. Yeah. Right? Do you know there's, there's there's if there was something there's two actually there's probably two things that I would say to people that I wish I had known it and it's probably affecting you. Yeah. And the first thing is understand, and we aren't going to do money blocks today, but understand. I I wish I worked out. Even though I was a really kind of open-minded, I'm still an open-minded business owner. Everything I do is about growth and development. But the thing is, I think when I was a salon owner, I still stopped money coming to me. Mm. And my behavior stopped it. And it's you are doing the same in your in your salons. Your your belief about not getting the right price or not retailing or not rebooking or not getting the people at the right time, these are all blocks. To money coming to you people are there's the money out there is trying to flow to you and you're stopping and, and i wish i'd realized it i think it, the, the over the last five or ten years the terminology has made a lot of us realize that we were Definitely. doing that and a lot of it was to do with our upbringings yeah you know mm-hmm. um uh, you know uh, some of us are older than others um but the way we were brought up and our relationship with money so i think that would be the one thing but the other thing is to surround yourself with the right people. Yeah. And, and if anything else, and I'm on record as saying that this um, group behind me, which is why I put up as my backdrop, is one of the most proudest thing I've done in my business ever. Because yeah. what we managed to do is to get positive people together. And my God, does that make such a difference? Mm. Because in your own little private life, you may or may not have supportive friends a supportive mm-hmm. husband, supportive wife, um, or supportive colleagues. And if you've got, maybe they're, maybe they're just neutral and just don't care about you, or maybe they're negative, or maybe they're selfish, because the thing is with families and friends is they want a bit of you. Yeah, because, because they, they love you, right? And they, they want a bit of your time, and they want to influence you to come around to their way of thinking. So sometimes you've got to be weary of friends and family and your people around you and you need to swap some of them out for positive people because honestly when you're around positive people your life is different you will work out that the impossible is possible yeah and I think as well having those negative um people impacting you and because they do they hold you back because they make you doubt yourself and um and they and they can create 
some very challenging things going on in your mind and and it is and I think I, I did um in the first season I did a bit about having a support network around you and it is so important and you know my husband's been fantastic through the whole of my career he's supported me doing tons and tons right. of things he doesn't understand a lot of what I do um and why I do it and like you know why I do certain things for nothing he thinks that's mental um <laughs> but but the thing but there are always things that we all do for for the for the good of the industry I mean it's been it's like such an overused term that is so bad for our industry um but then you've got all of those other people that work in the industry and they fully understand and if you've got the positive people from our industry um in a group where they understand what your difficulties are and your challenges and your obstacles and how to help you remove those blocks and grow as a professional and grow as a business owner. That's that's really what everything is that you are about and about what I'm about and what so many of the other people that come mm -hmm. on to the podcast talk about is about trying to develop the professional person, salon owner, whatever they are, whatever part of their career they're in, trying to get them to embody just being the most powerful version of themselves that says yes to the right things. Well, look, the future for most people is a whole lot better than they sense it to be or they feel it to be. Yeah. And, and it can be, and it can be, you, you've said this in, in different ways a few times today, it can be some small changes have a big, big result, a big impact. Because a lot of it is you've only got to believe that you can do it. Yeah. And I don't mean a deep belief. It has to be a, a belief that's at the front and you're actually doing it. So, you, you, you know, your world... That's why I said earlier, it's so frustrating on, to be frustrated on behalf of people that they are not getting the most from their life when they only have to change a, a few things. I would say, though, those positive people don't have to be from within our industry. My group is, is all from within my industry, our industry. Um, they can be from other industries and other, other fields. Yeah. It's, it's the personalities, the, the ambition, the drive, the focus, yeah. the perspective that you want. Doesn't doesn't really matter who they are. And in actual fact, it's really funny because through the pandemic, I um I bought into a, a coach from outside of the industry. Ooh. Um, and it's been in it's been such a positive experience. Um, and I've actually now quite a lot of the things that I do, I try and take from outside of the industry because I think we become we are quite insular. <laughs> and um and and so that group of women, because it was made, it was like, it was a, it just, it wasn't aimed at women particularly, but it just kind of ended up being that way. Um, but the group of women that I was working in, you know, are still on my Facebook and we support each other in lots of different ways. And we support each other's groups and always comment and do those nice things just to keep, you know, just to help the algorithm a little bit, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it's true though, isn't it? It's like, you know, okay. whenever I see anyone I know that's doing things, you know, comment and like it, you know, just do something nice for somebody. It doesn't take yeah. you a moment, helps the algorithm. Um, but, you know, but those women have, I've learned so much from them about yeah. how to run myself as a business and how to develop myself as a person and all that kind of stuff, because they've got a completely different perspective to it because they've worked, you know, they've worked in whatever industry they've worked in or in any area of the world or whatever it may be. And I think, you know, we we just need to get support wherever we can bloody get it. Look, it's, it's very rewarding. If you're an open-minded person, that's that hard part. You know, when you're, when you're stuck in the nitty-gritty of services from morning to night, it's very hard to be open-minded about the world and your life and, and mm. see how brilliant it can be. And I think a combination of 
people within our industry and people outside the industry, but you've got to be open-minded. You got, you know, I brought stuff into the industry from, from my retail sector. I probably follow uh, or I'm engaged at a professional level with more people from outside the industry than inside, which probably why makes me look a little bit more, um, you know, off the wall sometimes because I'm bringing in something new that isn't isn't mm. used a lot and I put my own angle on it. But we got good people in the industry as well. And we got good people out. But it's all to do with that positive personal. Just surround yourself with positive people. It's, it'll make a massive, massive difference. So, Cole, how can people find you? Where? What are your best ways of um, people getting in touch with you? Look, the best way for me to help them, because I, I, I'm on all platforms, by the way. I'm, you'll, you'll find me on LinkedIn and Insta and everywhere you'll find me. But the best way is going to be on Facebook, Facebook, on Facebook. <laughs> on the um, Salon Help Business Coaching Group because it's free and we only talk about business. Yeah. I want people to come there and go, I got a business issue, you know, Carl and co help me with it. So yeah. this, uh, the, the Salon Help Business Coaching Group is the easiest. I'm also very happy for this to happen because I think this is missing in the industry. I'm happy for you to phone me, mm. right? So you can have my number. Do you want me to say it out now or do you want to put it in the notes? Um, you can say that now if you want. It's up okay. to you. You can phone me, guys. 07931 518642. If I don't answer, I will have either, uh, I'll either be with a client, that's the only time I want to answer you, or I've had a beer. Or you've if changed I, your mind. <laughs> when I start phoning. <laughs> no, 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 you can phone me all the time. The only reason I don't answer the phone when I've had a beer because I don't want to give you um, unusual coaching uh, advice. <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't, I don't drink very often, so you're you're safe there. But honestly, oh seven nine three one five one eight six four two. Pick the phone up. It isn't done enough in the industry. No. We may have to, we may have to reorganize. But you just got to say, "Hi, Carl. Saw you on the podcast. Um, I need a chat about this. Can you help me? I'll take your number, or we'll rearrange something. I want you to. I want to make it easy as possible. Sometimes, you know, we want you to jump through hoops to get in contact with us as coaches. I just for me. If you don't like phoning, then please just um, come to that group where we only talk about business. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And what we do is we put all the show notes on and Carl will give me, um, well, I'll just put the links on for the website so people can go and find the pricing app because it is, it, it's stuff like that, that that can save your business. Massive. By the way, in that coaching group, I'm about to set out and do six mini uh, free webinars. One of them is on pricing. Wonderful. Okay. So the next- uh, the next six out of seven weeks, I'm going to be in there helping the members. Look, come in, guys. You've got nothing to lose. Yeah. I'm not going to charge you anything, uh, but you have I to. I may come have in to there. pop over and join, Carl. I don't know if I don't know if I'm in your group. I haven't seen you in there. Maybe you no. can keep keeping a low profile. Probably. But um, but you're you're well you're welcome to come over. Um, but whoever comes over has to come with a positive attitude. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, well, we'll wrap up there, Carl, and um, and everything will be on the website. And um, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure having a chat with you. And um, and we will say ta-da for now. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers, Carl. So what an amazingly um, interesting conversation there with Carl. It was a very long conversation. We kind of, we were joking about it beforehand, saying we wondered how long it would go on for, because he likes a chat and I like a chat. 
Um, so I really hope that you've been able to pick it up and drop it as and when you've chosen to and that you've got to the end of it because there's some really, really useful um, things that Carl has suggested that you do around pricing and retail. And, uh, and I really, really hope that you get some value out of it. But that's it. Carl's details will all be on the show notes. So make sure you check those out. And don't forget to hit subscribe and, um, and share with any of your friends that can benefit from hearing what he's got to say. Thank you very much and see you all later. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Salon Professionals. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and share with fellow industry professionals that you think may enjoy the show. Links and further information can be found on the show notes or on my website, www.suedavies.org. Here you can also find some downloadable free guides that you may find of use. You can also hear from me and join the inspiring Salon Professionals community on my Facebook group. Thanks again and see you next time. Bye for now.